Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Philip Brand. I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad you're, you're here today. Um, how many of you are ready to start school tomorrow? Dave County people, no, yes, yes, a teacher in the back. Oh, mother over here ready to start school. Anyone else ready to start? Yeah, you, you're ready, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, yep. So tomorrow's the day, Davie County begins. I know other school systems have begin, begun. I need to go back to school, take English 101 or something like that. But um, I have an issue. I think that's, is that my Bible? Hmm. Um, I, I actually might need something, my Bible. Because, you know, that's what we do here at this church. <laughs> yeah, it kind of stops things when you don't have it. I don't, I don't know where I put that thing. Is that an ESV? It is? How big is the print <laughs> is, is the issue here? Oh, my goodness. Listen, you keep that. <laughs> keep that for yourself. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. Just give me that one real quick. Let me see what the print is here. I have to have big print. That looks bigger. Let's see. Yeah, that's bigger. Okay. I don't know where my Bible is. Somebody hid my Bible. No, I probably laid it down somewhere. Oh, great. I'll give you my keys. Yeah, great. Awesome. Good. <laughs> and we'll give this back to you. Okay. Give this back to you. All right. So we are going to get started anyway because... This is an introduction anyway. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's been this thing going on at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. I may not have said it correctly, but Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. So, I, I'm not going to tell you how, I'm not going to tell you how, I've gotten a box that the FBI took. I'm not going to tell you how I did it, but I got a box that the FBI took. I opened the box, and this is what I found. I just want to show you a picture of it. That is Joe Biden's kickstand. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so just to kind of, you know, a couple of years ago um, in, in youth, I think it was 2019 or whatever, we did this icebreaker, meaning me and the kids. And uh, it was this. It was Trump or animal, Trump or animal, and it all has to do with his hair. And so what you would see is a picture of his hair, his hair or the animal's hair, and you'd have to choose if it was Trump or the animal. So this is the first picture right here. Is it Trump or the animal? You got, got it in your mind? Okay. This would be a cat, right? And then it's Trump or an animal, right? This is it, so you have to think about it. And then it would be a lion, okay? And then it's Trump or an animal, and it'd be Trump, of course, yeah. So, so those are things like that. So... We did this thing, and, and um, the reason I do all of that this morning is because of this, okay? What this nation needs is people of integrity leading it. Yeah. And currently, we have that. And it doesn't, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, there's so much mistrust in America. We mistrust our leaders, we mistrust our uh, news media. 
We mistrust uh, other people that are talking to us. We just have this mistrust. We even have a mistrust for doctors. Now, you might not, but we do. We have a mistrust for it. We are just not sure if what they are telling us is true. We're just not sure about it. And that means that we have a lack of integrity in the leadership in, in this country. And so the Bible clearly teaches that God puts people into positions of power. And so that means that President Biden was placed into that position because God wanted him there. Regardless of how you feel about the election, regardless about how you feel about the voting, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. God puts people into positions of power and he takes them out. And so there's a purpose for President Biden being where he is, okay? Now, the, we are about to enter into a political uh, season where we're going to vote this fall, right? And so I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. This is what I'm going to tell you that you need to do. You need to get on your knees and you need to pray that God will put people of integrity into positions of leadership in this country. Whether it's in the White House, whether it's in the Senate, whether it's in the House of Representatives or in our own uh, state and everything that goes on with that, we need to pray that God will put people of integrity into those positions because in order for us to turn back to him, we need people of integrity in those positions, okay? So we need to pray for that. We need to pray that God will just do a clean sweep of the news media and put people of integrity into those positions. It would be nice to actually watch stuff and not have to figure out if what they are telling you is right or wrong. Like, did they really do their research? Did they not do their research? We are just not sure. And so the misinformation is more damaging to our country than I think we actually realize. And so we need people of integrity. But I want to take it one step further than all that. We need Christians that are Christians of integrity. You need to be a believer of integrity in your home, at your office, at your job, wherever it might be. You need to be a person, a Christian of integrity, no matter where you are. It is so important for believers to be people of integrity. And we have no excuse. Because we have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have a new life inside of us. And it's that new life that gives us the source of living by integrity. We live according to the new life that Jesus has given us. And therefore, we can live as people of integrity. And to be honest with you, we can live in another world of integrity than anybody else that doesn't have Jesus. We can. And so we need to be serious about our faith. We need to be serious about who we are. We need to be serious about following Jesus. But more importantly, we need to make sure that we are tapping in to that new life, that new heart that Jesus Christ has given to us through his blood. We tap into that. So I looked up the definition of integrity on Google, okay? And this is what the definition on Google is. The quality of being honest, having strong moral principles, and a moral uprightness, okay? So to that, I added a couple of things, okay? And this is what I added. First, being who you are on the inside if you, if the inside of you is good. Because if the inside of you is bad, you're not going to be able to live by integrity. But if it's good, you'll be able to live by integrity. Here's another one. Living your life for the right things because your heart has been put in the right place. 
And the only way that your heart can be put in the right place is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that that can happen. So we live our life for the right things because our hearts have been changed. Our hearts have been put into the right place by Jesus Christ. You and I can be people of integrity and should be. It should be. We should be. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, as we get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want you to know something. Paul is being accused by people of bad things that he is that they say he has done or who he is. So he's being falsely accused and he is addressing those false accusations here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. That's what he's doing. Now, that said, I want you to know that if you are a person of integrity and someone falsely accuses you, you can stand against that false accusation. You can. Now, there might be people that believe that false accusation, There always are, like people that believe it. But you can stand against it, and you can say, no, that isn't me. That is not what I've done. That is not who I am. You can stand against it because you know that inside of your heart, that that is not you. What that does for you is when people make false accusations towards you, at night, you can go to sleep. And you can sleep peacefully. You see, if it's true of you, you can't go to sleep. Because what's happening is you know that what they are saying is true, but you're trying to put up an image out here with what you do to look like something that you're really not. And they've called you out on it. And so the only thing you can do at that point if you don't have integrity to stand is you've got to figure out how to get your image back intact. You've got to figure out how to, how to clean this image thing up, right? You've got to do all of this because what they're saying is true. And so you can't sleep at night. So you sleep at night thinking, oh my goodness, such and such thinks this is me, such and such. What can I do? How can I improve? What can I do tomorrow to show people I'm not that? And you, so you come up with this image thing. So you start doing things to kind of clean up your image. But cleaning up your image does nothing for your heart. What you should do is clean up your heart and let your image take care of itself. You're more concerned with what is going on inside of you and that being right than what is outside of you being right. If you live with integrity, what is outside of you will be right. So Paul here in these scriptures, he's being accused of stuff and he's saying, whoa, 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 that is not me and let me tell you why. And so he's reminding these people of who he is in this text. And he's standing against the criticism and the false accusations because he can't. He's a man of integrity. So chapter 2, verse 1 says this, For you yourselves know, brothers, you know, that our coming to you was not in vain. In other words, when we came to you, we preached the gospel. And you were changed, and you know that you were changed. And the church is still intact, and it's still operating, and it's still doing the things that churches are supposed to do. It's still a vibrant church. So you know that our coming to you was not in vain. God worked. That's what he's reminding them of. And then verse 2. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, 
we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So what are you saying is this, look, <clears throat> you know that we came to you from, Phil uh, from Philadelphia, from Philippi. You know we came, not Philadelphia, Philippi. That would be America. Later, it's Philippi. Yeah, we came to you from Philippi. And our experience in Phil Philippi was this. We preached the gospel. We were beaten for it. We were thrown in jail. And then <clears throat> they had to come and apologize to us, take us out of jail. And then we stayed a couple of days just to make sure the church was still intact. And then we left and we came to you. So he's reminding them of that from the Philippi. And then he's reminding them that when we were with you and there was conflict, we stood. We did not run. Well, Paul, didn't you leave the city and you allowed Jason to be beaten and you were nowhere to be found? And Paul's reminding them that in Acts chapter 17, verse 10, that they hid him in order for him to be able to escape and he went down to Berea. So they remember all of this. They told Paul, Silas, and Timothy that they needed to hide because their life depended on it. So they hid and then they snuck them out of town. But the church kept going. He said, we are not cowards. In fact, we went to Berea and we preached the gospel to the Bereans. And then we went to Athens and we preached the gospel to the Athens. And then we went to Corinth, where I am currently writing this letter to you, and we are preaching the gospel here. We are bold and we haven't stopped. So these people over here saying that we're cowards, they are wrong. They're cowards for saying that we are cowards when we're not in town. Come on. So we are not cowards, and he is defending that. And the people believe this. They know it. No one even believe it, they know it. So verse 3 says this, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. You see, the people, <clears throat> some of the people were accusing Paul of lying to them and deceiving people into believing something that wasn't true. Because we all know that there's nobody in our time that tries to deceive you into believing something that isn't true. Right? They're always there. Always there. So he's, they're saying this to Paul. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. I was not there to deceive. And he continues in verse 5. He says this. He says, for we never came with words of flattery. See, words of flattery can really move people to do what you want them to do, right? It is amazing thing of deception. Like, you're a smart person, right? So you would believe this, right? Yet, never heard that before, have you, right? Oh, you're intelligent and you're mainstream, you're open-minded, right? You're, you're a good person, you love people, so you should believe. So it's that flattery <clears throat> that gets people to believe things they shouldn't believe. So he's being accused of that. He said, no, 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 no. We did not use flattery. We encouraged the brethren. When people were saved and the church started, we encouraged them to continue what they were doing and doing work for the Lord. We did not try to convince you to receive Christ out of some type of flattery. So it continues in verse 5. As you know, nor with pretext for greed, God is our witness. In other words, Paul is saying, I know that they've said that I just came in because I wanted your money. 
I wanted your money, so I came in and I preached the gospel and, and I did it eloquently and I flattered you and all I wanted was your, was your money and so it was greed. Paul is saying, no, I didn't do it for that. I did it because you needed something that had changed my life and I wanted it to change yours. The reason I was passionate is because I had something that you needed and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. So I didn't do this for greed. In fact, Paul didn't make a cent while he was in uh, Thessalonica from them. He built tents to make the income that he needed while he was there. And that is all he did. So he was never a burden to these people and they knew it. So he's, he's reminding them of that. And then verse six said, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So what he was saying was, I didn't come in to preach the gospel. I didn't come in to do this so that you would think that I'm some great guy, so that I'm some great man, some great, great orator, some great speaker, some great thinker. I didn't do it for my own glory. I did it for a total different reason. So let's pause here a moment, and I want to ask you a question. What motivation do you have for doing what you do? What motivation makes you get up in the morning and present yourself in a particular way? What motivation on the inside of you makes you want people to think of you a certain way? See, we live in a day and age where you, we have so many more tools to do this with. Like, you can present yourself on Facebook as somebody that you aren't. I had a friend of mine recently, did the little blind dating stuff wherever they go online to figure out where, where to find people and all that kind of stuff. And the guy that she was going to date said that he was six foot tall. He wasn't six foot tall. He was five foot six and a half. So he lied. Because you can present yourself as something that you're not on the, on the websites, on Facebook, on TikTok, on Twid, whatever you use. You can present yourself something as something you're not. We see it all the time on social media. So how do you present yourself to people? I might put it to you this way. Is your motive out of a pure heart or a selfish one? Is your motive for the benefit of others or the benefit of you alone? Is it because God has changed your heart or you just want to look like your heart has changed? Which one is it? What is the motivation for what you do? Why do you do what you do? This is important. Because people that are changed by God have the opportunity to operate by a divine heart and have divine opportunities that change the world, that absolutely change the world for the better. So it's inside. And if your heart hasn't changed, you might look like you're the best thing since sliced bread, but on the inside, you're dying. And eventually, eventually what happens is this. What is inside of you will spill out into what you do. And if the intentions are correct out of a pure heart, it will spill out in a good way. It will emphasize what you do that is good. But if it is bad, it will eventually spill out into that and it will go downhill from there. 
And you might not even be able to get your image back. You might not be able to do that. Why we do what we do. Paul could push back and he could say, I didn't do any of this. I wasn't greedy. I wasn't doing this for my own glory. I wasn't doing this just to sell you something. I was doing this because of the gospel and what Jesus had done for me. And they believed it. Do you know how we know that they believed it? That they didn't say, hey, he's just, I'm not so sure that he's right. Of course he would say this, right? Why do we know that he, they believed it? Well, we know they believed it because we have First Thessalonians. I don't know if you know how this worked in the past. I'm sure that you do. But Paul wrote a letter with his own hands, and he sent it to the church of Thessalonica. They read it. And then what they did was they took additional parchment paper, and they didn't take a picture of it and text it to somebody. Right? They didn't do that. They didn't run it through a copier and then pass out stuff in the community. They took a pen and wrote it down. And there literally are hundreds of documents that were handwritten because these people believe Paul. And you would not have done that if you didn't believe that Paul didn't have the integrity to back that up. Does that make sense? So he had that integrity. Do you have the integrity to stand when false accusations come against you? So let's continue to read. Verse 7, it says this. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Two things. Gentle is the word for infant, Um, like like a child, right? Um, So gentle, like an infant, like the innocence of of an infant. And then it says, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Now, I want to pause there a moment. And this is kind of outside of my my topic today. But there is a theological thing going around that says that God is a woman. Okay? And every now and then, you'll hear that God is is a female. And in fact, there's a book called The Shack that presents God as a female. Okay? Um, And so, what they do is they go to passages of Scripture like... um, Uh, Proverbs, and Proverbs says that wisdom is a woman. Now, we all know because in the New Testament that the wisdom there is really Jesus, talking about Jesus Christ, right? But it presents wisdom as a woman. And so they take that and they say that God is a woman and we should all adopt that particular theological slant. That's what they say. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is just an example to get you to understand how God is, it's not saying anything about his gender. For instance, if you look here, it says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. There is nobody that's saying that Paul was a woman. Are you tracking? Just because he said he was like a mother and and care for them, because he cared for them, he was given. Nobody's saying that Paul is a mother, so why do we say that God is a mother when The same type of thing is happening in other parts of Scripture. Are you tracking? So to kind of clear this up, I just want you to know that God isn't a woman and God isn't a man either. Jesus Christ is a man, but God is spirit is what God is. And in Scripture, he is presented as a man. And there's reasons for that, and I can't preach about that today. But he's presented that way. And there are reasons, but God, we need to know at the ground level, God is spirit and Jesus Christ was a man. And that's where we leave it. We don't say that Jesus was 
a woman just so our belief system will fit into the culture. No, the Bible is really what should make the culture what it is. You understand? So back to this. Okay, so we were, we were caring for you is what he says. And so verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. I want you to notice there, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, which is what they did, that's what they do, but he takes it one step further and he says, but also our own selves. So he's saying, we are sharing what we do with you, but we're also sharing who we are with you. We're sharing a piece of ourselves with you. So we have what they do, and we have him saying, we are sharing a piece of ourselves with you, sharing and concern. So integrity is not just what you do, right? If you're going to share yourself, only people of integrity can share themselves with other people. So this is somewhat of a new concept for me when I first came to this particular passage of Scripture, this whole doing thing and this whole sharing yourself. And what does that mean and how does that connect together? So I started thinking about this. And I've thought about it a long time. And the only way this morning, it's just where I'm at, I'm still thinking about it, um, that I can get you to understand the difference between the two is to give you what I do. Okay? So I'm going to give you an illustration about what I do and how... Who I am is seen through what I do, okay? So I am a preacher. I am a pastor. I am a father. And I'm a husband. And I'm really not much more than that. I mean, what I do. Th those are the things that I do. I mean, you really don't want me on your football team. You don't want me up here saying I'm a football player. Number one, you know that's <clears throat> not true. That hinders my integrity, and it's just not a good thing, right? You don't want me to say that I'm a golfer. You don't want me to say that. I'm a worm burner is what I am, it, and that's not something to be proud of. If you don't play golf, you don't know what that means, but a worm burner when I play golf. I am, <clears throat> I am not those things. I am a preacher, a pastor, a father, and a husband, and those are the top four things that I do. Now, what I do is I preach, some people just preach. Some people can just give you information from Scripture. And they're good at giving you information so that your intellect will grow. So they give a lot of information, a lot of facts. There's a place for that. But they are just doing their job. I, as a preacher, <clears throat> can't do that. I can preach but I feel like I need to give you a part of myself as I preach. So I think about these things for a year because I'm that slow. I'm just that slow. It takes me a while to get there. And I do not present stuff to you that hasn't changed my heart. So when I give you information, I'm giving you a piece of myself because this information has changed me at some level on the inside. That is integrity. It is not just preaching information and then I, it doesn't change my life. 
It's, it has changed my life, and I have a desire for it to change yours. So I'm imparting information to you so that that will happen. Okay, so the two have to work together. For people that only do what they do, and they don't give a part of themselves through that preaching, eventually those people fail and fall out of ministry. That's what happens. The second is pastor. Now, you might not think there's anything different between a preacher and a pastor, but there is a difference between a preacher and a pastor. A pastor, I could pastor all day long and do that job. I could show up at the hospital. I could pray with people. I could go to funerals and, and, and do funeral messages. I mean, they make books with funeral sermons in them. You can do that, like, really easily. You can be there. You can do things like that. You can do the job in its very basic level. But to take a step back and give people who I am is a whole different story. You go to the hospital and there's a connection because you are mourning or are sad for those people that are in the hospital or are concerned for them. There's a part of your heart that goes with that. Is everybody tracking? So my integrity is that I love the people and so I'm there. So I'm trying to help them out. I'm trying to figure out what in the world to say. I've been in a couple of situations recently where I had no clue what to say. I was just there, okay? But I was feeling for those people. And so that is giving yourself to them. Um, I was, I was at, a, at a lunch here this week and an individual laid something very heavy on my shoulders, like something they were going through, very heavy on my shoulders. Um, a, a pastor would have been able to leave the lunch and go back to work and not really think about that again. I can't do that because I have a different purpose. I'm trying to give myself to people. So I went back to work, and for the rest of the day, that thing was on my mind because I knew they were going through it, and it weighed on my shoulders. In fact, it wasn't until I went to sleep that night and the next morning that that was lifted a little bit. What that does is it enables me to pray for them the rest of the day. Do you understand? Because I'm feeling for them and what they are going through. And so it, it's not just doing what you do and you look like a pastor. Man, he looks like a great job. I have to do one, one more step to be a man of integrity, I have to give myself through what I do. So a father, right? Same thing. I can just be a father and I can lay down the rules. Trust me, I can lay down the rules. And if I was to bring Aurora and Quinn up here, they would say, yep, he could lay down the rules and so can our mama, right? And believe it or not, Nicole's more strict than I am with, with all this rule things. But I can lay down the rules and I can say that I'm, I'm the dad and I can do all that kind of stuff. But if I'm not giving a piece of myself to my children, right, I'm not really living with integrity as a father. I'm supposed to invest and give a piece of myself to them. They're supposed to be able to know me, who I am, what I believe, that I care for them and that I'm there for them if they are in trouble or if they just need to talk. Or if, if, if it's Aurora, if she needs money, she calls me on the phone. So you, you're just there for that. And, and when the phone rings, listen, I don't care. I, I run and die for the phone. My son has a special ring, right? It's a Mario Kart, right? That's his thing. And Aurora has her own ring, and it's You Are My Sunshine because she hates that song, <laughs> right? And my wife 
is it's your wife. It's very prominent that it's, it's my wife. I have th- those three rings. Nobody else, I, don't, feel, don't get mad at me. Nobody else has a special ring. Nobody else has a special ring. My dad gets through, but he doesn't have a special ring. My mom gets through, but she, she doesn't have a special ring. Those three people have a special ring. I am giving a part of myself to them. I am not just their father. Now listen, I have been stupid as a father before. Stupid, just dumb. Guys, have you ever been stupid as a father? Yeah. Ladies, have you ever been stupid as a mom? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. We've all done stupid things, right? We get through those times and we get right back to be people of integrity and caring for our kids and trying to do, because at the same time that we've done stuff stupid, we've done brilliant stuff right? We've all done brilliant stuff. And we give ourselves to our children. And then it's husband. Now, my wife currently is um, on her way to the beach. She should be there in about, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes because she's a heathen. <laughs> right? Should have come to church. She did go to the beach. She didn't do that, but she's, she's in. But my wife, listen, I am a husband. What often happens in relationships is a husband tries to be a better husband and a better husband and a better husband and a better husband and a better husband. And And they get caught in that cycle of trying to be a better husband, better husband, better husband. And I'm telling you, you've got to quit trying to be a better husband. You've got to stop doing that. What you need to do is allow Jesus to change your heart and give yourself to your wife 100%. You live out of the regenerated life that Jesus Christ has given you, and you give that portion of yourself to your wife. See, I give myself to Nicole. Nicole gives herself to me because we are people of integrity, and we have a change inside of us that Jesus has placed there, and we live accordingly, right? And so we give ourselves to them. So trying to be a better husband, better husband, better husband, better husband, better wife, better wife, better wife, better wife, doesn't really work because here's what happens. If you haven't changed on the inside, eventually what's inside of you will spill over into what you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you've been trying to be a good husband, if your heart is wrong. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be a good wife, if your heart is wrong. It is only through a good heart that Jesus has changed that you can fulfill your commitments to your partner. That is the only way that that happens. And so let me illustrate how that happens in marriage. I actually did this right, okay? There's a lot that I do wrong, but that's not the purpose of this message. The purpose of this message is what I did right. So this morning, I have a routine. I get up at 6.30. There's a certain time I pray. There's a certain type I, time I make my breakfast. There's a certain time that I spread my notes across the kitchen bar that we have there in and have my notes and to start going through my notes in my Bible for, to prepare for today for the very last time. It's not the first time I prepared. I'm just looking over it, okay? I'm not trying to figure out what to say. All right, got it. Just looking over it. When Nicole is packing the car, she was actually supposed to be gone at five, but she overslept. God was trying to tell her to come to church. So I'm just, say, I'm just joking. She's fine with this. So I was sitting there, and she started packing her stuff, and I thought, this is going to get me out of my rhythm. This is going to get me out of my rhythm. But here I am preaching about this today, so I got to do it, right? 
not begrudgingly. So I stopped doing what I was doing, and I went and I got the cooler, and I got her, um, her luggage, and I took it to the car, and I packed the car for her. It took 15 minutes to do all of that. That is me giving myself to her, helping her get ready to go to the beach. Does that make sense? It took time out of what my routine was, but I did it for her because as a husband, that is what you do. It's not trying to be a better husband. It's because your heart loves her and you want to do that for her. And I think that's the secret of a good marriage. You see, when two people start living out of the integrity of their heart, rather than trying to be a wife and a husband and do that to the best of their ability, this is what happens. Nobody in that relationship is vying for control of that relationship. See, a telltale sign that you're not living according to the integrity of your heart is this. You are trying to control the other person. Women try to control men, and men try to control women. And when men try to control women and women try to control men, that is the point in time that you are just vying for control and you just want to be the one, the one that's in control of the family and everything that you do, that's what you're doing. But if you are living as a person of integrity, control doesn't matter because you are too busy giving of yourself to the other person for that to even matter. Come on. When Jesus Christ changed your heart, he changed it so that you would have a better marriage where you gave yourself to them like he gave himself for you. Right? And you're a better father because you're giving yourself to your children because he gave himself for you. And whatever you do as your job, you're doing the same thing. You are living from a center of integrity that you have been gifted by the creator of the universe, bought with the price of his blood, so that you could live this life differently than everybody else in the world. So that you could live at a level of integrity that far exceeds anything that this world has to offer. It is glorious. It, is, it, is, it brings him glory. It is a thing that witnesses to people and people just don't understand it. And if you want your relationships to work correctly, you live from the center of integrity, giving yourself to the people in your life rather than just doing the job. Come on. You don't just do the job. You give of yourself to them, and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Paul is saying, I not only preach the gospel, but I left a little bit of my heart in Thessalonica. Paul is saying, I gave myself to you so that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. I gave myself. I wasn't just doing a job. That, ladies and gentlemen, is integrity. That's integrity. That's how you live by it. So to wrap this up, there's a story of a little boy and a father. Father, broad shoulders. Broad shoulders, big guy. Um, yeah, big guy. And they were walking, and uh, the little boy, he stepped up on, on a scale in the bathroom, and he looked down, and he was 63 pounds. 63 pounds. 
So he stepped off and he said, Dad, you get on the scale. You get on that scale. So Dad stood up on the scale and he looked down and he weighed 65 pounds. And the father said, there's no, in his mind, there's no way I weigh 65 pounds. Maybe I need to step off of it and step back on. So he stepped back off of it and he stepped back on and lo and behold, it's 65 pounds. And so, of course, the scale is broken, right? There's something wrong with the scale. He stepped back off and stepped back on and it was 65 pounds. And his little boy said, hey, dad, you're hollow. Right? Listen, if you don't live with integrity as a Christian, you're hollow. You're not a heavyweight in the world. You cannot achieve witnessing for the gospel because you don't have the integrity inside to do it. We need Christians that aren't hollow on the inside, that grab a hold of the integrity that Jesus Christ has placed inside of them and live by it. And that is when Christians become heavyweights in their community, influencers in their community. And that's when revival happens. When people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, it's when people live by the integrity that Jesus has given to them as a gift. Do not be a hollow Christian. Don't do that. Be one that really lives according to the integrity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. We thank you for this lesson from your word. And um, Father, I just want to pray for the people in this room as well as me. And I don't know what you challenged their hearts with this morning. I know how you challenged mine. But I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll continue to impress that truth upon their heart that they'll be willing to let you change their heart to be what it needs to be. I pray that you make a desire within each person in this room to be Christians of integrity so that when we go to our jobs this week, we're not just doing a job, we're giving a piece of ourselves to the people there. That we're not just cooking dinner for our family. We're giving a piece of our heart to the family that we're cooking for. That we're living in such a way that we invest in people and are concerned about people because when we do that, we're actually living as you would live if you were here. So help us with that. Help us to set aside our selfishness.